I was on guard again, and I wasn't in a, in the shape to to let the Big Bang Theory tickle my 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 goof center anymore. I see. So what? Basically, you are you are you are trapped in a sundere cycle, as we weebs like to say, where you let your emotional guard down, but you have to let the show know that you're not you're not going to let it go too easily. You know, the show is baka, and you're going to let it know that it is baka. And since the terms Sundere and Baka have been used on this show, uh, with one person saying it and the other person not needing to an explanation of what those terms mean, uh, I guess you must be listening to the Big Bang Theory Theory. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Kyle, and, resident weeb in chief. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy to have you on this show where we watch are watching every episode of the Big Bang Theory in order. Somewhat for the purpose of of judging the episodes themselves, more so for the purpose of trying to understand where the Big Bang Theory falls in the larger cultural conversation, or just trying to figure out why the hell people watch it, uh, including ourselves. And even more so, the show is about us trying to avoid talking about the Big Bang Theory so we can just nerd out as we are otherwise want to do. And I guess we, I don't know, do you have anything you want to get into before the short episode summary, Kyle, or do we want to dive in? No, I, I think I would love to hear your summary of this episode. Okay. Nikhide. So I am trying even harder to further truncate my episode summaries. Let's see how I do this week, because... Try not to, try not to commit any more hate speech against George Takai, and I think we'll be doing better than last week. That's all I ask. Hey, hate speech has to be based on uh, a protected status. And I don't think any of my hate towards George Decay uh, went towards any such status. Uh, I don't think being self-aware, ironic internet icon is yet something that is protected through the laws of this nation. (laughs) Get to it. All right, all right. Today's episode, I think, is maybe like... Not like the plots of this show have ever been complicated, but today's was the most straightforward plot-centric episode I think we've had, at least that I can remember. Uh, And it's really easy. With our cold open starting, uh, Sheldon and Leonard are hanging out on the couch. Uh, Leonard is... I'm sorry, Sheldon texts Amy Farrah Fowler, something that that Sheldon said about the Hulk, because he found it quite amusing. And uh, Leonard's like, oh, hey, so are you uh, texting your girlfriend? And Sheldon is still in this mode where he is absolutely refusing to acknowledge Amy as a girlfriend. Instead, you know, girl, that's a friend, whatever. And uh, that's that's really the whole cold opening, you know, jokes aside, whatever, whenever they occur. And then the whole rest of the episode is focused around Leonard's uh, loneliness uh, because he ha- because he's he doesn't have a girlfriend, and I think rather than going through the episode uh, linearly as we normally would, I mean that's the episode. That's it. I mean we can talk. A li- I'll explain a little bit. You know that like Sheldon points out pretty early on that uh, Leonard seems to be jealous of the the relationship that he has with uh, Amy. Leonard kind of, you know, pushes back, but more so he 
he uh, submits, he, he gives in to the assertion and is like, yeah, maybe I need to find a girlfriend. And it gets even worse when he kind of surveys his group and he, he realizes that between um, the nerds, which includes uh, Wallowitz and Raj, who both have girlfriends, because Raj has picked up a girlfriend just for the purpose of an ableist joke. <laughs> um, yes, which, who we never see. No, no, and we'll we'll get back to that. But that's and will probably never actually appear on the show. I'm no, guessing. probably not. Probably not a real character. And then uh, Wallowitz is dating Bernadette, and then Stewart, who works at the comic shop, he himself has a girlfriend. And so Leonard is like, oh my god, I can't believe that I'm in this situation. I'm really the only single one. How did this happen? Uh, he invokes a girlfriend clause that he has had with Wallowitz, where if one of them is dating somebody uh, and the other gets I don't crosses some sort of point of loneliness and desperation, they can ask that person's girlfriend to then introduce them to one of their friends. Which doesn't yes, seem like... It doesn't seem like... A clause or a pact situation is necessary there. It seems like a pretty normal thing to to ask one of your your friends to set you up with someone the other person knows. I don't know. That seems strange to me. But well, I think it makes more sense when it goes the other direction because we saw in a previous episode. In fact, is is this how they met each other? Didn't Wallowitz and Bernadette meet because Wallowitz used the girlfriend invoke the girlfriend pact when uh, Leonard started dating Penny? I hadn't recalled the pact from then, but you prob- you're probably right, because, I mean... It's, I know it... this isn't the first time they've mentioned it, and I think no. the previous time it was all about... Yes, because remember there was the whole joke where he's in bed with Penny, and he's like, I made a deal with Wallowitz involving you. And she's like, okay, go on. And she's like, I promised him that if I ever dated you, that you would help set him up with someone of your friends. Okay. I'm glad People that you remember that. Yeah. That's my job. That That is completely outside of my brain. But so Leonard does invoke the pact. Wallowitz asks Bernadette uh, if one of her friends can come out on a date. And she does. It's this woman named Joy who Bernadette knows through a self-defense class. And Joy, oh, let me tell you, real character. Uh, but, you know, she's she seems like a pretty average person, I guess. You know, she is like a i don't know i guess average attractiveness maybe a little bit above average because she's you know she's like a really physically fit person it appears she she comes straight she shows up to a nice restaurant wearing yoga pants and uh like i'm not shaming it's not so much the ba it's just that they really try to sell this her they try to sell both her commitment to fitness and her lack of social graces in like a single visual joke which is she shows up to the nice restaurant date just like sweaty and and wearing her workout clothes from the gym. Yes, that is the negative thing is that while physically fit person, no obvious terrible deformities or anything, she does turn out to be pretty obnoxious because she she's learning Krav Maga and she keeps threatening to tear off Leonard's uh, nuts in various ways and she she's milking him for the the high value items on the menu, you know, knowing he's going to pay for it and talking about her dumps and her farts and stuff. Uh, all that, and so B- Bernadette and uh, Joy, her name is, if I didn't already say, they they go to the the bathroom together because that's the normal thing that happens all the time, I guess. And uh, Leonard's like, Wallowitz, I'm sorry, I'm not into her, and I'm not going to date someone just to not be alone. And then the two of them come back from the bathroom, and Joy's like, I need a date to a wedding next week, 
chances are I'm going to, oh, there's an open bar. I'm probably going to get real drunk. And you know if I get drunk, I'm putting out. And so Leonard says, oh, maybe I do need a, a companion. We'll see what happens. I think that's the end of the episode. Super short. That sounds right. Great. Anything that you would like to add plot-wise that you think is significant before we start picking apart? Well, you forgot the whole B-plot again. Yeah, I did. I, I don't remember it now. Which is Sheldon, uh, Amy asks Sheldon... <gasps> oh, shit! Yes, 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 yes. Sorry, explain. <laughs> Amy asks Sheldon, over, over Skype, they're not in person. They're just, uh, in order to spend more time together but not actually hang out, they've been Skyping. And so over their Skype call, Amy asks Sheldon to meet her mother. And Sheldon freaks out and immediately goes to Leonard and then like, what does this mean? And Leonard goes, well, you know, you've been carefully pointing out to everyone that Amy Farrah Fowler is your friend who is a girl and not your girlfriend. He's like, yes. And she's, he's like, you can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sheldon breaks up with her. Well, cause they're not dating, right? So Sheldon sends a termination of relationship notice to her house, at which point she shows up at his apartment and literally just camps out downstairs for we never find out exactly how long it it, uh, it seemed implied hours yeah at least hours waiting for him to come down at which point when he tries finally to sneak pack past in a comical uh outfit she recognizes him and explains that no she just wants his help to trick her mother into thinking she's in a relationship so her mother will get off uh her case so the final I think the the final closeout of the episode is them talking to her mother on Skype. And yes. And like, yes, we are having the sex just all the time. We are just sexting it up. Yeah. I think Sheldon does say something like, like, sorry, have to go. It's time for me to have intercourse with your daughter's vagina. Which isn't the last line, but it's it's up there. It's good that he knows how it works. Yeah. Well, I think he understands the basics of it. I, I think, you know, it's the... It's the motivation to do it in in how to handle the situation emotionally or maybe more so non-emotionally that would confuse Sheldon. Also, um, the only other question I had is there was a word. It was one of those. It pops up kind of randomly. And I was wondering, can you say that on television? And if you have, how come I've never noticed anyone ever say it on like a network television show, which is uh, Sheldon. He's like, well... I literally wanted oh. to face the address outside. So I think I know what you're getting to. Apartment. Sorry, God. And um, Leonard is like, but then how is the postman going to know to deliver mail? He's like, oh, no, I, I explained it to the postman. The postman was like, got your back, Jack. Bitches be crazy. Mm-hmm. And I uh, no, So bitches is one of those ones that I think is pretty weird. And first of all, I want to say I got a surprising amount of joy out of Sheldon having that interaction. And so innocently and earnestly repeating the bitches be crazy. But bitches is one of those swear words where it's obviously, I mean, I say it all the time because I'm an asshole, but it is like, it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a demeaning thing. And it seems to me inherently more hurtful or damaging or whatever than shit or fuck. But it also seems to be something that as far as, like th- in my life has been like a okay to say on TV and I've never understood it. And it's like, it's like the, I mean, the laws are already dumb and arbitrary to begin with, or not laws, but you know, rules uh, where, you know, you can say ass, but not asshole, things like that. But bitches always seems to, to, 
slip by perfectly fine. Can you name another instance where someone has said bitches? Because I just don't. No, not off the top of my head. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to pretend I can do that. Well, no, I'm not like challenging you. It's just it was so. We- I mean, you're right. The way he said it, it is sort of uh, a random. It's not like he's calling any particular person a bitch. He's just he's using it as a weird colloquialism for all women that he obviously yeah. doesn't understand. Leading to, I didn't laugh so much the first time he said it, but when Amy is downstairs and he sees her and he goes, the postman was right. They do be crazy. I don't know why, but that was kind of a funny delivery. It wasn't bad. I mean, everything else about it was bad, but the the actual delivery was pretty good. Um, well, do you want to make this just a strictly political podcast for once? Because we are in a moment where... Uh, I know you don't. I know I'm making you uncomfortable just by using. Absolutely it. not. I'm kind of. I'm kind of. I'm, I'm. I'm excited that you're going in this direction. I keep going. I'm curious. Well, I don't. I. I'm sure you. You heard about it, but perhaps you haven't followed the full aftermath of it. But we are in a moment where just last week a sitting congressman called another congressman a bitch, a stupid bitch. Yeah, and so I. I knew it happened, but I didn't totally understand the the actual situation i when i saw the headline i assumed that he he just like straight up said it to her face confronted her or whatever but i am i did i hear right that it's actually like he was walking past her and like mumbled it or something like he was so basically he he got up in her face and he mm -hmm. said you are you know you're an idiot you're ruining the country i hate you you don't have a thought in your head so he really verbally assaulted her for quite some time yeah and then he turned and as he was walking away just like as the punctuation he was like stupid bitch okay i guess I i was trying to rate the level of cowardice because pretty high yeah <laughs> like the kind of thing where like you that this is how toxic a workplace you know has to be because nobody else threw him down the fucking stairs which is what would have happened you know if he had said that in about a coworker that anyone liked in my neck of the woods mhm yeah and i guess um he apologized later but it was like the absolute it was like the definition of a non-apology because it was yeah. it wasn't it wasn't an apology he said something like i think his apology was to you know in big quotation marks here was to say that he didn't uh, he wouldn't apologize for loving his country or some yeah, some just, shit like I that just, i just got so passionate if i am guilty it is just of being too passionate about my country which leads me call this woman uh, a derogatory word mm-hmm. uh, that's okay she won that she like I said, I am a little disappointed. I think she handled it better. If I had been there, I would have punched that guy in the face. What she did is she called him out on the Congress floor and made him look like the biggest fucking caveman on the planet. So I think that was probably a better response than just someone punching him in the face. Yeah. Not as immediately satisfying. So she won that round. But yeah, what a what an asshole. Yeah. And also, uh, I do want to point out... Uh, not like it matters if we name names on this goofy ass podcast that hardly anyone listens to. But uh, his name is Ted Yoho. Yeah, um, fucking stupid, stupid name. I don't yeah. know. I'm so mad at this guy. Yeah, I don't. It's not rational, but just what an asshole. Yeah, Ted Yoho called Alexandria Ocasio Cortez a bit. Yeah. So uh, that's our that's our new segment, dumb fuck of the week. I guess I don't. Know. <laughs> we'll uh, every go ahead. 
Oh, I was in the compared to the context in which he used that. The way the show uses it is, I think, fairly tame, although still gendered and problematic. Yeah, no. So to, to actually to, to bring it back, it is still bad because it's it's a demeaning thing to all women. But it's one of those things too where it gets used lightly enough. Like I probably shouldn't use the word bitches as much as I do, but I do. And I'm going to keep doing it till somebody hits me. And then I'm going to do it out of spite because I'm like, huh, hitting me isn't ever going to stop me. I'm not – your physical violence isn't enough to get me to stop being an asshole. <laughs> well, I, I will say um, it reminds me – I was not in this class, but I knew this teacher. So I, I'm i not surprised that this happened. It was sort of a – it was a funny incident. Um, I was I was at like a – it was it was like I don't I don't know but it was basically like a gifted and talented class and uh, so they were they were allowed to sort of bend the norms a little bit and they were talking about different words and taboos and someone in the class said well I feel like the problem with the word bitch is that it's such a gendered term you know I'm a guy and no one would ever call me a bitch and the teacher was just like I don't know you can be kind of a bitch sometimes Mitchell or whatever his name was yeah it was pretty good uh so that is kind of. Sweet. Also, what the fuck? That's how. Wait, how? Wait, what? Where? When was this class? Like, what age? I think we were all like seventeen. It was like okay. I it was th- like a high school non-accredited gifted and talented summer camp <laughs> I, type thing. I think that was just old enough. I was imagining like a bunch of eight-year-olds, <laughs> and a teacher is like, you know, they're gonna learn when they're gonna learn. It may as well be me. <laughs> okay. Now that we spent so much time uh, ex- exposing our uh, to some extent, our political leanings and probably d- trying to virtue signal in a very problematic way. <laughs> I guess we should continue talking about the show. So anyway, that's basically the whole Amy Farrah Fowler plot. I just wanted to get it out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it, if if we st- if we stay episode centric, everything we're going to talk about is going to be a real men and women. Can you believe it? Kind of thing because A and B plot are focused exclusively on the nature of these relationships and how big of a loser you are if you aren't dating somebody or you know what what you should expect or how you should get dates in the first place. And I'm just going to start randomly jumping around. I guess like one thing that I did really like, which was portrayed as a negative, is. When the the gang are at the comic book shop and, and Leonard is really opening up, not intentionally, like he, he's doing his little comparison and he's realizing, geez, I am the only single guy. What a loser I must be. When when this comes up with Stuart, the, the shop owner, uh, Stuart tries to like comfort Leonard by saying, oh, no, no, you don't need to be jealous. The relationship is horrible. And there was a part of me at first that was like, oh, no, Stuart get out of there. What's wrong? You gotta, you gotta, you know, be honest with your feelings. You gotta be safe. But the example he gives for why the relationship is terrible is this. He says, um, before my girlfriend wants to have sex. uh, Let me just provide, he admits that he met her at Comic-Con. So we, the only thing we know about this woman is that she's a huge nerd. The longest term girlfriend I've ever had. I, uh, I didn't meet her at an anime convention, but the first time we hung out is because I asked if she wanted to go to an anime convention. <laughs> and we shared a bed in a hotel, and apparently in my sleep, I wrapped my arm around her, and she thought that was very sweet, and then we actually started dating after that. But with, with Stuart, uh, so yeah, it says the relationship is horrible. It says, um, when she wants to have sex, she starts by putting on her plus-size Wonder Woman outfit and asking, who wants to take a ride in my invisible plane? 
which god damn what's wrong with Stuart? that's great everything about that is great the only thing i don't like is i he, he's pointing out plus size as yeah, like a bad thing he, a that, that's yeah that's the note i put down which you know if you're bringing up because you were into it that would be like a fun detail but that doesn't seem to be why he's doing it like and he could not bring it up at all whatever now i'm i don't know i'm just speaking gibberish but it's it's shitty but fuck like i feel like the next time i I'm, I'm i'm sexing somebody i think context free i'm going to ask if they want to take a ride in my invisible plane that oh that's what like i feel like i need an outsider to explain to me what about that situation is bad like it's and it's not like he's not also a tremendous nerd. It's not like he begrudgingly operates a comic book shop and he's like, "Oh, I just work here and have to deal with all these nerds." Like this is his life, and he's met someone who not only wants to have sex with him, but is passionate about the same th- same things that he appears to be passionate about, <laughs> and is willing to include. Like is like is the bedroom something different, or or is it is it he's either he is so pure that the idea of having any sort of role play or kink or anything like that is repulsive or his tastes are so dark and sinister that he can't believe that this innocent fantasy is as far as she's willing to go. It just sucks is all I'm like, I don't, I, I thought it was really funny just the situation. And it also is, it's awful. Stuart's a terrible person. I didn't know. Fuck him. His girlfriend sounds great if that's the worst thing that he can think of. Gross. Stuart, bad. There. Bad thing said, done. Kyle, say a thing. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm totally with you on this one. My guess is, you know, I think sometimes we have this view of ourselves that conflicts with who we really are and how we're seen. In Stuart's case, I think you're right. I think he is actually deeply ashamed of how nerdy he is and the fact that he owns a comic book shop. And so he somehow feels that, like, sleeping with other nerds and being reminded all the time of what a nerd he is is it's it's painful to his psyche but get the fuck over it Stuart. you own a comic book shop that is cool if you can't feel good about it that's your fault yeah but you know or to try to go to the other side and to somewhat sympathize with with or or empathize no you just don't don't do that don't bait me into agreeing with you and then play devil's advocate now i'm gonna feel like a dick why hey wait to how about this how about, the, how about you wait until you hear what I have to say before you judge it? How about you get rid of your, uh, your, your instincts, your ready-to-go opinions, your talking points, and just hear another human being try to be vulnerable with you for once, Kyle? Okay, let's do this. So, Stuart blows, okay? Settled fact. But also, I think something that I'm trying to get better at is accepting my nerdiness because like i've always been a nerd Oh, this is about you okay so yeah yeah it mostly is uh and i've never like been necessarily ashamed of being a nerd but I, i'm ashamed of like the specifics and the, the 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 depth of enjoyment i get out of it uh oh and this is a good excuse to bring up something because i thought of you last night kyle and i wanted to wait until the show to share it because i need our audience to hear the stupid thoughts i have I, uh, uh, the, the friends I'm staying with right now, one of them whipped out his, his GameCube and was playing a bunch of, uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee last night. And I had the thought, isn't it nuts how in these games you always get to play as Ganondorf? And yet Ganon hasn't been introduced as a character. And that is the kind of thought that I'm ashamed of having. 
don't mind that I enjoy all these things, but when those are like the things that come naturally to me, my curiosity that is inherent about nerdy things, then I start to feel ashamed. I get frustrated because I'm like, why doesn't my brain default to having more productive or meaningful thoughts? Why is it that this is what I'm into? And then I thought, next time I see Kyle, whenever that may happen, and I hope it's soon, uh, that we need to have a male bonding moment. Uh, and, and while watching Smash Bros, the, the Nintendo stuff was on my mind because I thought, wouldn't it be adorable if Kyle and I, in a bro moment, were to touch the heads of our dicks together? And I would ask him to do this by saying, hey, you want to take a little trip to the Mushroom Kingdom? And then I held on to that thought until I knew that there would be the opportunity for others to hear it so I could share it with you. Wow, that was a journey that we just went on. I did not, of all of the places that story was going to end, including all of the times I wanted to stop so I could just point out that Ganon absolutely appears in Smash Brothers Ultimate, both as like a, a separate boss, and also I think Ganondorf's super move is that he turns into Ganon in Ultimate, although I could be wrong about that. Regardless, that was, what a weird place to go. That's, that's who se- I am. This is me being separate, vulnerable. <laughs> that's separate from having nerdy thoughts, though. That wasn't like, well, I guess, I guess it was, I just, I just like how, I guess your homoerotic fantasies sort of, sort of merge into Nintendo pickup lines. All right. I'm cool with it. Not going to do it, but I'm, I I appreciate the anecdote. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad we could have this I'm glad you're, I'm glad you don't feel ashamed of yourself being a nerd as much as you used to. Trying not to. Trying. Getting there. Uh, I could keep going through my notes. I, I feel like we should take some turns i want to know if anything stood out to you that you would like to get into yeah i'm still a little hung up on the beat well okay there are two things uh first off amy farrah fowler says she doesn't really care about sheldon except as a friend but she does wait outside his apartment for many hours which seems like above and beyond what you would expect someone to do for a friend yeah Um, because it is just for the sake of clearing up a misunderstanding but she's obviously very committed to clearing up this misunderstanding but i mean the whole thing though is like I don't know, maybe maybe I'm misjudging, but, you know, the whole thing is it's cute and it's funny how uncomfortable that either of them are saying that they're not in a relationship when to, you know, 95% of outside observers, they're going to be like, oh, you guys are obviously in a relationship. But, you know, maybe they're really not. Maybe it's Maybe these are my problematic biases about... The, the the sexuality spectrum that I'm not willing to believe that either of them is either aromantic or asexual. I that, I'm exposing myself here. All right, I'm. Well, no, it's it's not. I mean, if the show just came out and clarified that that's what was going on, then that would be fine. But they obviously intend to tease us about it. So I think it's not your fault that the show gives mixed signals about their relationship and where it might be headed. All right. Well, I'm happy to have something else I can blame on this show. So so thank you for that. Also, so the other thing, I, I'm surprised. I basically went into today's podcast expecting that you were going to bait me and you never did. What? Which I appreciate. Well, yeah, obviously. So obviously it never crossed your mind. But that is a wildly mischaracterized summation of how Krav Maga works that you are offered in the episode. And so oh. I was a little bit... I was a little bit offended, but trying not to trying not to go on a rant about it. Kyle, I care deeply about you, but it is adorable that you think I actually give a shit about Krav Maga. <laughs> like that that I could I could 
You're saying that's how not how Krav Maga doesn't work. I don't know that. I didn't notice a problem with how she explained Krav Maga and all the nut tearing. So please <laughs> clarify the situation that that was that obviously upset you. I just it's a joke that has come up in other shows and things too, but I just I feel like it's worth pointing out. Krav Maga has a reputation as being the martial art where you immediately attack, like, the balls. And that is the, it is the case, though, a large number of our combatives and self-defense moves do involve what are known, technically speaking, as groin strikes. But that is not how it's explained in the episode. It's not like, in any context whatsoever, just reach down and, and tear on the penis. It's basically there are... Krav Maga is a real self-defense system, so it assumes, basically, that you're being attacked in one of many aggressive ways, mm-hmm. where, for instance, you're being, like, you're being choked, um, and so maybe somebody has come up and started to choke you, and so you're using both of your hands to try to peel their hands away from your throat, which is constricting your air supply. Uh-huh. So in that situation, what you would do is you would you would pluck away the hands with your hands, and then you would kick them in the balls at the same time, because it they're reflexively going to, like... Move away from you at that point. It creates an opportunity to get free. So, so to take to take a step back here, I just want to try to make sure I understand what you're saying here, which is you're upset by the way Krav Maga is characterized as always going for the genitals, and your way of explaining how that is wrong is by saying, "No, that's not the case." Pause. Time for a disclaimer. We always go for the genitals all the time. Let me give you an example of how this is incorrect. For instance, if I were being choked, I would have to remove their hands from my throat while going for their genitals. Your example of why it was wrong still included... Kyle, what are you talking about? I'm... I'm saying that in... Basically, so here's... There's a... You obviously, you are not aware that this is a stereotype, so you... Which is why you you don't give a shit. But there's this stereotype that, that basically all Krav Maga is is just like six, I think she even says it in the episode, like 600 ways to like attack, attack the genitals. Well, and, and she didn't say, and that's all there is to Krav Maga. That was, a, that was the part she emphasized. Yes, and, it, and then she dives towards his crotch like four different times, like joking, like, don't piss me off or I'll rip your penis off. Uh-huh. Um, and... This is an actual stereotype in the martial arts community about Krav Maga that I, I think deserves to be debunked. You're um, doing a bad job. Well, fine. I'm done. <laughs> no, t- just tell me. No, some, tell me a situation where you just give a situation where you don't attack somebody's nuts, and then that will make sense. Well, yeah, we also do punches and kicks and all the other stuff that you expect from. We do grappling. We do fucking elbows to the face. Okay. You know. You know. We do all the other stuff that you ex- that you would expect someone in a martial art to cover. The main distinction isn't that we only do the one thing; it's that we do all we do that in addition to all the other stuff. So most martial arts don't have don't allow you to punch to like attack the groin area because they're all s- based on sport fighting now, right? So if you're in the fucking karate tournament, it's considered an impolite move. Mm-hmm. It would get you disqualified. You're not allowed to do it in kickboxing either. But in a street fight, they emphasize that if you're fighting someone in close range and you get a chance to knee them in the balls, they're trying to kill you in the middle of a parking lot. So you're allowed to do that in addition to, you know, breaking their nose. Okay. Does that make sense? 
I don't know how much further to go because I can't tell if you're getting actually upset or if you're fun upset right now. 50-50. Okay. Maybe we should just move on. I didn't appreciate the the person they chose as the ambassador of Krav Maga in this episode. Well, no, she sucks. Which is unfortunate because, I mean, I won't harp on it much longer. Because she's not mean, but she just... In a show about nerds, you have to go a long way to be the one in the group that is lacking in social niceties. But I also just looked at the time. We should start wrapping up. I feel like I have a whole lot more I could say about this episode, uh, but I am ready. Talk about Raj's deaf girlfriend really quick. Real quick. Because it is basic. It's it's like a one-note joke. Leonard, again, when he's taking inventory of people's relationships while he's at the comic book shop, looks to Raj... Uh, to commiserate. He's like, you and me, buddy. I mean, you know what it's like, right? And Raj is like, uh, of course not. I am dating somebody. Leonard tries to hit back. And he's like, how is that even possible? You can't even speak to women. Uh, And he says, well, guess what? Deaf girls, baby. (laughs) And how she doesn't need to hear anything, he says. And so it just works out great. And there's another little joke in there. I don't really remember it. It's not of consequence to me. But it does bring up another thing that um, I was going to talk about. And then wasn't. Now I'm going to talk about it again. Which is Raj, now that he is dating someone, you know, is, is taking on uh, this real condescending tone with Leonard. You know, like, I used to be like you. And he starts, he says he has this story about a man who went into a women's correctional institution. And Leonard stops him. And he says, are you about to tell me that I couldn't get laid in a women's prison if I had a handful of pardons? And two things about that. One is I'm unfamiliar with that being a saying. And so yeah, I've never heard it before either. Yeah. I so, thought you might have as a defense attorney, but I wasn't sure. No, the way he brings it up, it's obviously something that somebody's supposed to be familiar with, but not me. Uh, and so that was the first I thought. But the second was like, oh, God, what a gross saying if it is. It's like, oh, you couldn't take advantage of a woman if her freedom was on the line. (laughs) That's that's all. I'm going to stop it there. I could rant about that for for ages. Anything else that you want to squeeze in, Kyle? No, I think that's everything. Okay. So we're going to move on to our nerdy thing of the week then. But real quick, I also want to say, which has come up a few times before, but it's, it's... more noticeable lately, um, podcast listener numbers continue to, to rise steadily, uh, and it's great. And so the people who are listening, I want to extend an earnest and honest thank you. Uh, I also want to say it's hard to see these numbers go up in a weird way because I have such low self-esteem that every time I see it, I'm like, oh, more and more bots and aggregators must be catching wind. <laughs> I can't accept the idea that more people listen to it and enjoy this. But indications appear to, to show that being the case. Well, they listen to it. We still don't. I started to say, I've seen our podcast review numbers. They're, they're split pretty down the middle on the intro. They're split precisely down the middle, which is itself impressive. But that's so where I have no self-esteem and it's hard for me to believe that anyone listens to it in the first place. On the opposite end, I am proud of our middling reviews because I know that what we we haven't gone out and begged friends to like flood our review pages with positive votes, you know, and that I think is great too. No, I'm, we're too legit for that. Exactly. We're not sellouts. So, and I'm not saying that every positively reviewed podcast out there 
it d- does that. I'm far from the case, I'm sure, but I do know for a fact that you know small independent creators, when getting started on something, will often make the desperate pleas for anyone they know to artily artificially inflate their numbers to get them off of the off the ground. And not only are Kyle and I too proud to do that, at least I am. I don't know if you care or not, Kyle. <laughs> oh, I'm so I'm so proud. You know how proud I am? I'm so proud I won't even tell any of my Facebook friends about the podcast. That's how proud. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was gonna be the next thing I was gonna say is and I don't know how many people I want to know about it. I don't know like I I'm also so ashamed of what we do that I don't wanna ask for it. Like don't I don't even want anyone not only to pretend that they like this show, but to have to acknowledge that we do it. And that's the ne- I guess that's the next part of accepting my nerdiness I need to work on. Yes, I am a guy in like in my mid 30s who not only has a podcast, but it's a podcast by nerds complaining about how other nerds aren't getting nerds rights. Ooh. Yes. Work all uh, you know Which one brilliant critic recently described as meh. Yeah, and they're not wrong. Which I want to, you, you know, I really got to give it to that guy. What a genius summation of not only what we do, but also the Big Bang Theory and its commitment to like, like he really encapsulates sort of the early 2000s essence of the show where yeah. things like meh were still considered, you know, significant <laughs> cultural contributions to the discourse. There's no level on which his review isn't doesn't ring true he really he did knock it all the way out of the park which is the only way you knock it out of the park knocking it anywhere within the park would not be a feat to to appreciate (laughs) okay nerd thing uh i'm double i'm double dipping again this week because um i have been appearing uh frequently consistently on my my friends uh charlie and solvay's podcast uh, the final girl sleepover where they they get up at eight in the morning every Saturday to watch a horror movie because uh, that's that's uh, my quarantine duty. You know, as long as I'm I'm staying here quarantined with friends, I guess I'm going to continue to be on that podcast. And for last week's episode, we watched a 1983 Austrian film called Angst, and it's I, I'm not going to go too much into it because it's there's not much to it, but uh, this movie really hit me not like emotionally or anything it just it was so well done like the word i want to apply to it is stark and i i need to say that the movie has almost no plot it it opens with a man being released from a jail or a prison and the entire film is narrated by his thoughts as he is going about his release and the events that ensue thereafter. And it's a real day-in-the-life kind of thing. But the, the, oh, I, was, I was saying how it has no plot, because the entire plot is he gets released from this prison, and he, he he's on his way to a cafe, and he's immediately thinking again about how he cannot wait to, to go and kill again. <laughs> or I say again, it's, un, it's it's never made clear why he's in prison in the first place. I think I think you can safely assume that it was for some sort of horribly violent act based on how the rest of the film goes. <laughs> because, yeah, what he does is it's him talking to himself as he, he goes out looking for a victim and he's identifying the ideal traits of a victim. 
and how much he's looking forward to it and how excited he is to do it again and how thrilling it is. And it's not in a way, you know, he's not like some sort of like self-aware, dark, gritty, bad boy murderer or something like that. You know, it's it's not like, I, I guess you could say you're a Hollywood sociopath who has some sort of like philosophy behind why they do some sort of terrible thing. Like, it's very clear that he is just driven to do it by whatever trauma or illness or whatever it is that drives him. He doesn't need a reason to kill, but all he wants to do is kill. And he, yeah, he goes out creeping for a victim. He finds a house that he ends up breaking into. There's a family in there. Maybe I should stop there. Uh, I think I've said too much already, if anyone actually wants to watch this movie. But it, it stood out for me in a few ways, which is, ha- having described as much as I have already, it's obviously dealing with like pretty upsetting and violent stuff. Uh, but it's not gory. And that's not to say that there's not violence. There is on-screen violence. But it, it was portrayed in such a way that it never really felt stylized or glorified. Like, it was all very matter-of-fact. And the way he goes about his day is in such a determined business-like matter that none of it feels dramatized or heightened either. Like, it's very... This seems like a weird thing to bring up, I think. It's very obviously not a documentary, but it's it's almost done in what maybe... Like, what, what the documentarian would want to go... like. It's, it's, it's a fictional thing that is based on a real event that tries to portray it, I think, in the most real way possible. And I really appreciated that. Unrelated to the, uh, the, the, the plot and events of the film, it also has a fantastic soundtrack and, and score, I guess, um, which I very much, very, very, very much like. But as, as for the experience, I'm going to say right now, it's not for everybody. Like, even if you like horror movies... And I don't even think this is technically a horror movie, if I'm being honest. I won't. I won't get into it here. But I. I, I don't. I don't think it's quite a horror movie. But it, it's. It is really. It. It could be very upsetting. Like I. I loved it. But there's a part of me too that was like, this movie was made in 1983, the year I was born, and I wish I could go back in time to tell the producers of this film to wait to make it. So the year of my birth is not associated with such an upsetting yeah. thing. <laughs> and like, I, like, hey, hang on. Nick Hyde is going to be born this year. Maybe wait until he's had some time to get used to what the Earth is like before you put this into the world. And it was initially banned, at least in Austria. I don't know throughout anywhere else in Europe because of its graphic extreme depictions of violence. So those are my warnings. I think it's a fantastic film. Loved it. And I, th- I worry about what it says about me, how much I loved it. And so that, that's my recommendation. Angst. Your turn, Kyle. Well, fuck, I guess I'm just going to talk about anime again. Please do. Well, first off, I'm going to say, still playing Dragon Quest, still loving that game. Great. Um, I don't know how far you got into it, but I got into a bit where a mermaid shows up. And it Not was that far. Like, okay. I mean, go I ahead, did- but... No, I mean, I don't, I'm just going to say, like, for a game that's, like, all cartoony and color palette, like, there have been some moments in this game that really hit me in the feels in ways I was not really prepared for. Hmm. Um, like, legit, legit feelings. That's like, wow, I didn't think, uh, I didn't think we were going to go here, but I guess we did. So that's cool. I just finished the second season of this show that is, for me, 
it is everything that is good about anime, unless the thing that you like about anime is people screaming and fighting each other. Um, which is fine if that's your jam. Yeah. Like the thing that you want from anime is like high action, like I gotta, I gotta be the greatest X, Y, or Z in the world. And so like I have to compete and I have to get a rival and I have to like, you know, wear a headband at all times to remind me of my commitment. That stuff, I love that shit. That's also my jam. But if you are looking for any other type of anime, I feel like the show, which is, it's called Kaguya-sama Love is War. And it is about two very uptight teenagers at a very prestigious private school who have a huge crush on each other, but neither of them is emotionally equipped because neither of them has dated before to tell the other one how they feel. And because that's where they are, the only solution they can come is to trick the other person into confessing that they want to go out first. And so every episode takes what is usually an incredibly innocuous starting point, and it just becomes a battle of wills and a battle of wits between these two people to sort of get the other person to sort of fess up and say what they really feel. And so what's great about it is that the actual... um, like, the setting and what's going on, like, just, if you strip all the anime out, it's really, it's like a stage play. It's just, there are only, like, four characters. They're usually all in the same room because they're all in the student council, and so they're doing random student council shit. But the long version short is, so you're, basically, you're watching these teenagers, and on the surface of the episode, if this were, like, a, a normal drama or a play, they're just talking to each other about, like, oh, hey, I found these movie tickets on the ground. Oh, look, they're half off. But then you cut inside their heads, and the one is like, movie tickets? Does this mean that they want me to ask them out to a movie? Uh, what kind of movie? Should I ask them out to a romantic movie? But if they ask them out to a romantic movie, then they'll know that I like them. And the other one is like, aha, they don't know that I secretly planted these movie tickets here two months ago, just waiting for this moment. Ah, uh, but now I know I've planned this day. I know they have a hole in their schedule. And if they lie, I've primed the other student council member in the room to point out that they have nothing else going on today. And so it's all of that, which is kind of funny, but it's just... It's all, so it's, it's these hyper intense inner monologues, like it's, you know, Jojo or something like that. Um, also, just like all of, as they're doing all of these, imagining what each other is going to say and how they're going to react, it, it lapses into wildly different sort of visual styles. And so it's just, it's a great example of like what I think anime is better at than almost any other medium, which is just hyper, hyper accentuating sort of the inner drama of like inner life just all of the crazy like wildly cartoonish stuff that goes on inside people that we don't know how to express and that sort of that sort of captures the feeling of life even though in real life it's nothing is ever quite that intense or over the top so it's just you get like this perfect contrast between people trying to have just pretty straightforward conversations with each other and inside they're dying because like someone said something that they're embarrassed by but now they can't show it but inside they're thinking about jumping out a window so as an emotionally uptight person, I really appreciate all of that. And also the dynamic between the two main characters. I love them. I want them to get together more than anything else in the universe. And the show just will not let me have it. So, you know, it's a good experience if you're a masochist, I guess. All right. And and, and name it again so people can find it. Kaguya-sama Love is War. The first season is available on Crunchyroll. The second season, I had to I had to beg a friend who is an even bigger weeb than me for their Funmation account. Nice. Um, but I'm sure it'll be out on Crunchyroll and Hulu eventually. Oh, I guess that's everything. 
Yeah. Uh, I want to thank you, Nick. I'm sorry I gave you a hard time a couple of points today. You didn't come with me on my Krav Maga journey the way I wanted you to, and that frustrated me. But you did come with me on my random uh, political journey into the into the dark heart of misogyny in Congress. So it all I, evens out. I I was there beside you for the Krav Maga journey, and I think maybe the the feelings that I have for you and the this the the spikiness of your response your 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 letting all of your your porcupine quills go go straight out is an example of the the sundere element of our own relationship Kyle yes that is very true we are basically <laughs> two anime characters in a room yelling at each other which is all i've ever wanted to be and i'm glad that i get to have it with you <laughs> <laughs>